Nerds by Nerds production. Welcome back to the show, Nerdos. I'm very excited for this week's episode. We had an incredible guest, Mr. Sam Karras from the Slash City podcast. Sam is a great guy. He's very knowledgeable, very well-spoken, and very funny. He's just an entertaining guy. If you don't listen to his show, you should go subscribe right now because it's great. If you love horror movies, if you love 80s slasher movies especially, you'll love his show. If you just like someone having a good time, it's a great podcast to listen to. Without further ado, we'll get right into the show. Come along for the ride as we cruise into Slash City with Mr. Sam Karras. to the Four Nerds by Nerds podcast. I'm Josh. I'm Ben. And today is a very special day. We have very important guests that we've been looking forward to having on the show for a long time. He is a graduate of the LA Film School. He's a producer, director, writer, and host of one of my favorite podcasts, Slash City, Mr. Sam Karras. Welcome, Sam. I don't know about important, but I appreciate you guys having me on. You're important to us. Absolutely. (laughs) So Sam does a slasher specifically not just horror movie podcast is slasher movie podcast and as he refers to it as the what do you say the greatest genre in movie history the greatest subgenre in all of history absolutely it is it is it is a especially now it is a very lost subgenre there are there are movies here and there like your uh happy death day and the sequel more of a horror comedy from the looks of it. I still haven't seen it. I want to see both of those, but yeah, it is just missing. It is my favorite horror genre as well. And it, it is, it definitely tapered off scream, kind of put it back on the map and killed it almost seemingly at the same time. So we'll just, we'll just talk mostly about the history. If you want to, if you want to run us through the history, I know you, you do on your podcast in your first episode and as any slasher or horror movie fan, would say it all really starts with Halloween. Yeah. It's, it's every, every slasher fan's favorite movie is Halloween. Yeah, I think it starts there, and I think you nailed it with um, – it, it's really a dying breed. I think right now we see much, uh, much more supernatural stuff in the horror genre coming out uh, currently. Uh, back then, it, it was so big. And then when we talk about Halloween, we talk about um, – that's really where it begins, where it gets the title of the slasher because – uh, I don't know if you guys are into serial killers. I, that's another little hobby of mine. But, uh, you know, Ed Gein and H.H. Holmes were not the original serial killers. You know, obviously there were some before them. But that's really when they got the title. That's when we started slapping that title onto things. And I think, you know, that's where we usually use that with Halloween. Halloween and, and A Nightmare on Elm Street become our bookends of the golden age of the slasher, 78 to 84. And I think that's really, you know, where most of our best slashers lie. But there's there's definitely... Uh, influences before then, things you could consider slashers, things like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, uh, Black Christmas, uh, movies like that that don't necessarily maybe get the title of slasher because they, they predated a little bit, but they certainly fall into that category. Oh, absolutely. We were just discussing that before, we, before you came on, uh, movies that seem like slashers that aren't technically slashers. And I was thinking about Nightmare on Elm Street is labeled as like the, one of the, the Mount Rushmore slasher movies. It was a very different movie compared to most slashers, especially at the time, because you know exactly who the killer is the entire movie. And it's very supernatural. 
most slasher movies at the time, it was almost a whodunit murder mystery type. I mean, Halloween, you know, it's Michael Myers, but you don't know anything about him. You don't know why he's doing any of this. You know, he's just a blank canvas. Freddie, he's, he's almost laughing in your face how much they're telling you it's this man showing you it's this man. And we were talking about Saw. Saw has a slasher feel to it, but it's not, it's not technically a slasher movie. Everyone's just killing themselves. Yeah, and I think the weird, the weird title is that we always get with, um, with Saw and movies like Hostel, uh, they get their own little subgenre. It's called torture porn. <laughs> and I don't know if you've heard that before. <laughs> and, and the reason it gets that is because it, it really ups the slasher even more so where you are really just there to watch people die. You're saying, how creatively can we kill people? And I think that's, that's what you get uh, really in the early 2000s up until now with those types of films. Yeah, that's uh, my experience with horror. When I was younger, I wasn't allowed to watch it. Scared and petrified me, so I couldn't watch it. Like Hostel and like uh, Descent and movies like that. That's where I started getting into the horror type uh, movies. But, you know, I can appreciate the old ones too now that I can go back as an adult and watch them. Really and do. you guys brought some stuff up uh, with some of your movies. The, the grain feel when you watch a movie and you get that graininess i love that personally i'm not big into the hd i don't need to see uh every little piece of the set i i feel like it takes me back to the drive-in uh to my old vhs's growing up i i like a little bit of that because it puts me into i'm really watching a movie now i feel like hd i start to feel the camera moves a little more and it just it takes me it takes me a little out of it i don't know how you guys feel about that oh absolutely and, and we discuss that all the time, and it's a perfect thing to discuss here. What caused the fall of slasher movies? Is it a overproduction? I mean, most people would probably say it's a saturated market, but I do believe that the feel of the movies has been lost, and it's because equipment is too good. I mean, look at the Friday the 13th remake or, or 2018's Halloween. They don't, they're good movies, but they don't feel like those movies. Halloween 2018 doesn't feel like a Halloween movie. It feels yeah. like a Hollywood movie, even though it had a very low budget for the amount of money that it grossed. But it still feels like a Hollywood movie. It's not grainy. It's not, it doesn't feel like it's happening in real life. And those older I'll, movies absolutely do. And I'll give you two different, I think, major reason it's a little more tough these days and one is technology you're in trouble now for any horror overall you're calling somebody you're texting somebody you're getting out of there that feeling of that that trappedness uh you don't really get it anymore you don't get the isolation you know when we talk about camp crystal lake uh those kids are isolated there uh, nowadays how easy would it be to you know, flip open the phone and, and call 911 and get somebody down there right away so the isolation factor is a little more tough now because we're constantly uh on the grid so it makes things a little more difficult from that aspect. And also, I think, you know, the hokiness, uh, the slashers became too self-aware, I would say, because when you start off, when you watch the original A Nightmare on Elm Street, you watch John Carpenter's Halloween, there's a lot of creepiness to that. But when you get to six, seven, eight, now, especially in A Nightmare on Elm Street, they're playing it up to even more the, the laughs, I would say, um, because they've got that, that audience already there. They're there for the killer now, as opposed to the characters. And it's just about playing that up. And I think that's where we start to lose it when we get too many sequels. It becomes too much about the killer and it becomes too much about, you know, how can we entertain our audience? And it, there's, less, um, there's less terror to that, I would say, because now that I officially know him, I know his entire backstory. Uh, I don't feel the same way I did early on. 
Yeah, and there's pretty much no story to the later movies. It's very, let's rush this, let's get a nice detail the first two, three minutes of the movie, and then it's just kill, kill, kill. Let's set it up. Here's your batch of people that are going to be slaughtered. Let's think of creative ways we can do that. I mean, the fact that they could bust out eight Friday the 13th movies in a nine-year period shows how much little detail is put in the story. And it's like, get these people in a room, come up with creative ways to kill people. Let's get this out. Let's, let's, let's move. Absolutely. You t- oh, the, the last uh, episode I posted was The Prowler, and it felt like Tom Savini's real tape because – it, all they cared about when they made that film was how they were killing people because there was no story. There was no character development. Uh, it was just about how, how realistic can we make this look as opposed to uh, the one I'm working on right now, prom night. It's, it's really the opposite. There's a lot of character development. There's a lot of story. Uh, and unfortunately it went a little too far because the deaths are, are, are very bland. So you've got to find a right balance there between the two. Well, that's what I, f- I feel like the film industry is hurting from, like we said, the, the, the uprising in advanced technology, especially for the lower costs these days. Same thing with like the music industry. Everyone's recording albums in their basement on a laptop because you can get, you know, studio quality sound mm-hmm. for not a lot of money. And it's the same thing. I think it's a lack of struggle for the artists, the directors who are making these films Again, if you look at Halloween 2018, as you discussed on your podcast, Halloween is a very bloodless movie and is very story-driven. It's very creative, and they had to do a lot with a very little budget. With 2018 Halloween, I mean, they're having CGI knife kills coming through people's faces and stuff like that. I feel like the advanced technology is a much more of a handicap and and leads to a lack of creativity if they had put stronger uh minds on focusing to the story and not well this is just kill fest then it would have been a much better movie i didn't hate the movie i just didn't find it very scary it's it's uh, you i think you nailed it there because when we look about look at the early 81s um where tom savini became a household name with the slasher he was really uh, just such a MacGyver with the special effects, whatever they needed to do, he figured out a way to get it done and make it look realistic. It wasn't like, hey, can we do this in camera? Can we do this in post? It was like, hey, how do I make it look like an arrow is popping through this guy's neck? Yeah. And I think the fans really appreciated that. And it was new to them at the same time. This type of type of gore, um, it really, I talk about this in my earlier podcast, uh, the MPAA. I mean, they were pissed about all this stuff. They couldn't, they found a way to chop out as much as possible once this became a thing. And I think a lot of films, uh, especially My Bloody Valentine, uh, really suffered for that. They, they forced them to take a lot of things out that really would have brought the film together and made it look better. Yeah, there are so many, is it Friday the 13th, six? They talk about how many lost scenes there are, how much more brutal the kills were. It was six or seven, where the MPA cut them so much uh, I mean, famously, it's the sleeping bag kill. He hits it against the tree right. once. Yes. Originally, yes. he bashed it over and over again until the sleeping bag became bloody. And they just they and the creators say like all that footage is just gone. We just yeah. we had to cut it and we didn't save it. We just threw it away. And, and I know some people like that though because they say it shows the strength of Jason that all it took was one hit. <laughs> <laughs> so at least in our mind, we kind of justify it. We're like, well, you know, there's a positive there too. It's that one hit just makes it like, oh man, he must have really smashed the shit out of it. 
<laughs> ben, you were prime age when a lot of these were coming out. To I was, yeah, I was growing up during the 70s and 80s. But you weren't seeing any of these movies. Uh, no, only if uh, my neighbors decided to let their kids watch it, I'd sneak in once in a while. Like uh, a movie that scared me to death. It wasn't really a slasher. It was called The Changeling. Mm-hmm. Um, that was the one with the ghost in the well in the wheelchair. Oh, God. I own it now. <laughs> I bought it recently so I could scare myself to death <laughs> uh, and show my wife what, you know, real movies look like. But you did experience like, the pandemonium of that era yeah it was crazy how people um, were dealing with seeing these things i mean today we are so desensitized yeah there's nothing that that scares me anymore unfortunately i i watch these horror movies to laugh now but i mean even the new ones there's reports of people throwing up in cinemas yeah and, and you know there's some movies out there not quite i can't say slasher movies that do it people get super oversensitive and start crying during movies and stuff um i've seen a lot of that like uh what did i watch recently well it wasn't recent it was a while back was um oh like well you know what i can't think of the name what's the what's the mel gibson one about uh oh signs no the one about jesus oh passion of the christ, oh, passion of the christ. there you go <laughs> and the guy next to me was a firefighter and he was just sobbing in his chair and i'm like are you okay yeah that's a pretty brutal movie. <laughs> it was a brutal movie and it was it was bloody and it was gory and this guy's just over here breaking down i'm like i'm i'm sorry yeah. But I can't, I, for some reason, I have no feel factor when it comes to that stuff now. So it has to be really shocking and it has to be really, really new for me. Yeah. Um, something I've never seen before. And that's what they're trying to do now. But I can't get into the, the newer ones when it's all digital or it's all like on your cell phone. Like when you get, a, like the last one that scared me was like as above, so below. That was a, that was creep factor. I mean, that one. I was on the edge of my seat the whole time. It was just so new and something different. And that's yeah, and what I I'm... think, uh, yeah, sorry, but just to, just to build on that, what you're talking about there is like the found footage style. And I think that's really, you know, the type of horror that, that also had a really big uh, surgence, uh, you know, coming first with Blair Witch, but really into the 2000s and now those found footage movies is really a way of, of one, cutting budget, and two, uh, it was something new, something people had never seen before. Now it's like, uh, you're really into the view of the the protagonist itself. And I think uh, it allows you to kind of do more in-camera things and, and how they did things like paranormal activity and, and uh, you know, blowing vacuums under sheets and making them go up and look like ghosts and things like that. So it, it allowed for a new type of genre to open up. Yeah, horror is, has pretty much been, unfortunately, dead to me for about the last decade because it is so supernaturally focused to ghosts. And I just, I couldn't have less of an interest in that. And I don't know why, I didn't, and it's not that they're bad movies, it's not that they're film bad, it's just everything. And now it's like exorcisms are coming back, or, or films like, mm-hmm. uh, what is that one with the, the spooky monster that's in the picture? Who? What's the, Anna, the Connery? Oh, Annabelle and Conjuring. Sinister, and all those movies. They just, they don't speak to me at all. I just love slasher movies so much. <laughs> And it, it's is not it, even like, it doesn't have to be a terror factor. It's just like an excitement factor. Yeah. Like I watch them now and just like, oh, are we allowed to curse on this one? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So I'm like, fuck yeah. You know, when you watch it, <laughs> when you watch a certain kill, you really get into it. And it doesn't have to be like, oh, is there somebody in my house right now? Which, which I'm sure you've experienced too with a good scary movie. But um, it's just that factor of, man, uh, get behind this. I mean, it's, it just kind of gets your adrenaline going. So I don't think it has to be a jump scare or a fear feeling. 
I think there just has to be some excitement there. And I think that's why the, the slasher thrived for so long. It's the same as like 80s action movies. Those are pretty much the same exact genre. Like people would get excited for those. And that also died. A lot of people would blame that on, you know, it just didn't translate into the 90s. But I mean, they try now. The expend we were t- we talked about this on one episode. Yeah. The expendables it's should be amazing, but they're not. They're not great. They're too campy. They're poorly written. They're yep. poor graphics. It's yeah. it's just kind of boring. I I think, and I'd love to hear your take on this. I think with the action movies and slasher movies, a lot of the problem now is the lack of practical effects. Leaning so heavily on on CGI, especially when you have a low budget. It's not a very good idea Mm-mm. because it, you could probably do it for cheaper with practical effects and it would look realistic. CGI blood is the worst thing I think I've ever yeah. seen on camera. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not to keep bringing it up, but Halloween 2018, when he walks up behind that woman in her house and shoves that knife through her face in the theater, I was just like, you couldn't do better than that. He couldn't have just slit her throat. I mean, you have this, very clearly fake knife coming out of the front of her face <laughs> that doesn't at all feel like the original halloween it's not it's not suspenseful it's not scary it's it's cheesy and it it just takes me out of the movie but how much of a role do you think the loss of practical effects plays into the downfall of of slasher movies well i th- i think a big problem with it too is we we're prisoners of the moment in that we think what we have right now is the best so if you Take Star Wars, for example. You watch when they re-digitalized Star Wars, like in the late 90s, early 2000s, from what they did the 70s. So they added stuff in the background because at the time it was like, wow, we've got the latest effects. Let's add all this stuff in. Yeah. 2020, you watch it now and you're like, that looks like shit. <laughs> so it's like, we think no, we no, have no, the no. best te- technology right now, but how long is that even going to hold up? So what we think looks good right now may look terrible the next few years. So I think that's a, a major problem right there is you think you've got the right technology to make it look real. So you slap it on there. and then. Uh, looking at it down the road, it, it, just, it doesn't hold up at all. And I think that's a major mistake right there. And I think going practical, um, it's, it's just hard to beat because it allows one, that creativity, but also um, that doesn't date. So what I mean by that is if you go watch, you know, the, the Prowler, which I did recently, you know, there are some brutal kills in that. And looking at it now, I'm not like laughing at it. Like, oh, that's terrible. I watch it now. I'm like, wow, they did a really good job on it. Like, that's awesome. When you see like a wound open up, I mean, something like that doesn't really date. It still looks good to this day. Absolutely. What did you want to say? Oh, oh, in the Star Wars movies, it looked like shit back then, too. I'm just saying. Coming from seeing the originals in the theater when they came out, watching the CGI new ones with, all, with the 90s ones when they put all that new extra stuff in there, I could sit there scene for scene and be like, that's not supposed to be there. That's not supposed to be there. That looks like dog shit. I hate it. I hate it. It's just, it was awful. It takes you out of the movie, right? Yeah. I mean, it totally just ruined the whole franchise for me. Well, that was a very early 2000s thing too. I I refer to it on the podcast once in a while as Harry Potter graphics is that they lent so heavily on CGI in movies in the early 2000s because they're like, oh, we've cracked the code. We've got Mm -hmm. this. This looks realistic. And even at the time, look at Matrix Reloaded when Keanu is fighting the numerous agent smiths it looks awful like he just looks like a a rubber man like a stretch armstrong is fighting a bunch of other stretch armstrong and that's how the first few harry potters look it's very detailedless and and it's just 
you had to in something like that, but it also takes away from the original. It takes away from the feel and the look we talk about all the time is that the raised budgets of sequels makes movies not look like they're even related. The first Matrix movie looks like it's shot on, on location. It looks real life. It looks like it's supposed to be real life and that the clothes are real and the tools they're using are real. And the second and third one, it is so Hollywood and the aesthetic is completely changed and it's so crisp and shiny and overproduced and everything is ironed out and nice and it just it takes away from the feel of the movie it, it and i think it's a subconscious problem that people have with those sequels that they can't put their finger on of why is the first one better and the second two are shitty and they'll go oh it's 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 mech battles oh it was it was too much time in zion and like i just think it's that the movies don't look or feel the same that your your budget increasing on paper would make you think your movie would be better mm-hmm. but the second two are much worse and it happens a lot with television you know you do a great pilot for a lot of money and then it's like all right now do this 22 more times this year for half the money per episode and make it even better and i feel like that that must happen it, it definitely used to happen with movies especially in the 80s that's what happened with all the superman movies it was, we're making another one, but you're getting less money to do it. And I'm sure it happened with all these slasher movies. Well, I'm you sure just brought up um, Predator on your podcast and uh, how the Predator looked amazing in that first film. And each one after that, it, it got worse each time. Like, why couldn't they make the Predator uh, like the original Predator? The original one was so amazing. And when he takes his mask off for that final battle and he roars and his mantles open up. I mean, that is an amazing shot. And it's just something they never recaptured. And each time I saw The Predator after that, uh, for each following film, I was always like, no, like that doesn't hold up to the original. What, why aren't they getting it? Why, what are they missing here? Yeah, well, that absolutely speaks to what you said about practical effects not aging. The Predator reveal of his real face will never date. It will never look bad, ever. It looks realistic. Mm-hmm. You can't look at that and go, that's guy in a suit. I mean, you can, because clearly aliens aren't here. But I mean, (laughs) it looks real. Every single bit of that looks real. You can't see any wires. You can't see any seams, nothing. It It is perfect. And in these newer movies where it's CGI or the guy is short compared to the original person who played the Predator, or they're just thick or bulky, alien versus Predator, they look very weird. Uh... And yeah, it's why, why can't you get it right? You have the source material. So why is it so hard to duplicate it? Is it a lack of craftsmanship? People aren't doing that anymore. I mean, Tom Savini runs, he runs his own practical effects warehouse company, whatever you'd like to call it still. But where are they being utilized? Like it's, it doesn't seem to be in horror movies. So yeah, what are th- they working on? I think a lot of the problem too is the first time around, you've got that original idea. You've got the person who created that original idea. And so they're very much behind it. They've got the passion for it. So as you get further down the road, now you've got somebody who says, I can do that for cheaper, or I've got, I've got that, you know, I could do that, but I've got my own spin on it. So I think you just start to dilute the water a little bit, whether it be for money, whether it be for creativity, and you just never capture that, that magic the first time or that you had the first time around. 
It's like the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is a perfect example of that. First movie, phenomenal. Suits, great. In every movie following, the suits got worse, the acting got worse, the storyline got worse, until it's just not worth watching. You know, I know it's not a horror movie, but still. No, it's, it's yeah, a perfect it fits, example though. of yeah. how sequels kill a franchise. Well, I think it was also with those, it was the first movie, it was, this is not only targeted to children. And with the sequels, they're like, we're only targeting children. That's because kids aren't going to notice the lack of detail in the <laughs> in their teeth or their eyeballs. Yeah. Like, so they they stop putting money in there. I mean, some franchises they never lost what was uh, necessary for them to look proper. There was never a movie really that stuck out where it's like, oh, well, Freddy Krueger looks like shit. And there's never a movie where oh, Jason's mask kind of sucks. Like they always put the money there to make your 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 main character, your main villain. There's definitely some Michael Myers math that suck though. Oh like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Halloween is uh... I, here's one where it's like, why don't you just use the original? Because the original mask is again so good. And when you get to like four, yeah. it's like, what are you doing? And, and they and try then... to claim it's the original. <laughs> no, a, come on, man. man. Yeah. Like, the oh. original was the Kirk mask, right? Yeah. Yes. yes. Yep. So, well, I mean, how could you not just contact classic. somebody and yeah. be like, you could make this? I mean, they, Tom, there's no way they couldn't pay Tom Savini to make a replica of that mask. It's right. not hard. If somebody could do it in their garage, then someone in the effects companies could make a Michael Myers mask. Listen, if Spirit Halloween can have one every year, they can make a Michael Myers mask. <laughs> well, the, the fact that they have a sneaked in, we used a pink mask and then forgot to edit it back out in part four is just crazy <laughs> completely different mask pink mask white hair wow and it there's one frame where you can see it and, and and i don't get that when you've got a long layoff between movies and you get the hype building again how can you how can you miss so badly so they, when they went from two to three you know everyone threw a shit fit because michael myers wasn't in it and you go back to four and uh how do you not deliver there with 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 something so important as the mask i mean that's so crucial to the to the character right well and they mess it up i mean it's not even just four then you get to five and five is even worse the closest is probably six because it sure as hell is an h2o right i mean i never really <laughs> noticed at the time but Ooh. watching h2o back where they clearly kept changing their mind on what they wanted to the point where they have a cgi mask in there at one shot I saw that last year and I was like, holy shit, how did I not notice how bad that is? I mean, 1998 CGI is, <laughs> is, does not hold but up. But in their mind, movie. it was it, right? In 1998-99, they were like, we've got CGI. Like you said, we cracked the code. We can just use it for everything, right? Yeah. <laughs> I wish they wouldn't. <laughs> There's so many. There's so many things out there that just needed to be done practically and not digitally that – it's it's hard for me to watch a lot of these movies. Now, how do you feel about a, a franchise? I mean, we can specifically talk about the first one, but a movie like Scream that is so meta, especially for the slasher franchise. Mm -hmm. Like, what do you do? You think that that it definitely reignited people's passions for a slasher? But do you think yeah. it's, it hurt it at the same time because it became a little bit of a trope there? of we're just going to be super meta in what we do mm -hmm. and kind of poke fun at what came before it. I think, I think it worked for the first one because the first one, uh, we hadn't really seen it to that degree yet. 
And the first one was done by Wes Craven. I guess they all were. But he, uh, you know, he got it. He, he had spent so many years in the genre that he understood the, the ins and outs of it. And you, when you talk about Scream, the original one, uh, it ties so many, not just the meta part, but so many things about the slasher together because you still get a whodunit. You still get a great solid final girl. You still get great kills. So he really understood, I think, all the strengths and weaknesses of the genre and was able to tie it together really well. I don't think that holds up as, as you continue to get sequel to sequel. But I think you see that in pretty much every franchise. And I think you also see that, that fine line of, of how much time do we spend on a, on a character? How much time do we spend on you know, the degree of kills? So you can really overdo it and underdo it in every aspect. And that's why I guess uh, the great ones are so few and far between. Yeah. So if you want to talk into like a specific genre, um, let's talk Halloween for a second because uh, John Carpenter's Halloween is my favorite all-time movie. Uh, but not my favorite franchise. So, you know, the original to me is is everything. It's what got me into slashers. Uh, but when we get into the sequels, uh, it falls apart. And and here's what here's what I think a lot of movies do wrong with slashers. Uh, backstory. I think backstory is a major mistake. I think you can easily overdo backstory, and I think that's what reboots do want to do all the time. So when we talk about um, you know, Rob Zombies, he wanted to spend a lot of time with Michael Myers as a child. When we talk about the Black Christmas remake, um, the 2000 aughts one, not the one from a couple of years ago, but they spent a lot of time on, on Billy's background, uh, developing him as a character. Why is he doing what he's doing? And I think that takes a lot away from terror. I think if someone breaks into your house and you don't know who it is, it's a lot scarier than, oh, so-and-so is breaking in. And, I, and I, now I know why, because we have some type of beef. I think that that fear of not knowing who's coming after you, it heightens it. And I think even in Scream, Billy Loomis says um, it's much scarier when there's no motive. And uh, of course, he goes on to actually say a motive. But in the moment, you're like, yeah, it, it really is much scarier when there's no motive. And it, when we get to Halloween, in the original Halloween, we don't know why Michael Myers is going after Laurie Strode. We, we don't. It's, it's random. But in two, now they're trying to piece back a story. And they're saying, well, they're related. They're brother and sister. And then we get to six and now they want to bring in Sam Hain and, and, a, and a ritual. And I think the more you try to over explain things, uh, the more less scary it becomes. The Rob Zombie Halloween, you almost wind up sympathizing with Michael Myers. It's like, well, of course this guy became a serial killer. Yeah. If I grew up in that house, I'd want to kill somebody too. <laughs> like they overdid that of like, let's just give him the worst life possible. And then be like, oh, yeah, by the way, he's a serial killer. I was thinking earlier, I was going to mention this to you. How do you feel now that we're in the era of everything is, we're not going to reboot it necessarily. We will restart it and retcon everything. We'll, we'll take the original and we'll make a sequel to that. Even if it had a sequel already, even if it has multiple sequels, years and years of story and lore, we'll just, we'll just take Halloween. We'll make a sequel to it. We'll scrap everything else. That seems to be where we're heading with everything. Do you feel like there's a specific series that they could do that with and make it feel the same? Because they definitely didn't do it with Halloween. <laughs> One, uh, that's a mind fuck. Because when, <laughs> when, when they talked about Halloween coming back out and they say, okay, this is a sequel to the original. So forget the past 20 years. Forget... Uh, you know, part two with Jamie Lee Curtis, forget H2O, forget Resurrection, forget everything. We're just going to pick up from the sequel. 
Um, and then and it you're, the you're calling it Halloween. Exactly. There's my <laughs> next point. You're calling it Halloween. So you're making a sequel with the same name as the original. And then they announce the third. And I'm like, well, how, how are they going to call it Halloween two? Because it's, it's now the third. Uh, it's, it's, it's one, it's a bad idea. And two, okay. Think about it this way. When you guys reach episode 100, how are you going to feel about episode one? Uh, probably not the best. You can be like, ah, oh, you know, uh, I, I wish we could redo that. There was some shitty audio. Uh, you know, maybe the rapport wasn't great. Um, so you, your urge is to redo that. But look, I, I get, you know, maybe Carpenter and, and Jamie Lee Curtis look back at two and they're like, our passion wasn't there. We weren't motivated. Let's go ahead and redo two the way we always wanted to. Life doesn't work like that. You can over edit. You know, as a writer, we always talk about that. Know when to stop because you hit a point to where you peak. But if you continue on, you just, you, you ruin it from there. So, you know, if you want to build that franchise, if you want to mold it, that's fine. If you've got a new idea to develop, do that. But to kind of go back and redo what you've done in the past, especially as the, the original creator, I think it's a very, it's a very dangerous line to walk because part of that is, you know, if he looks back at his original John Carpenter and says, you know, I wish I would have done this or that, but you know, it worked out for the best. It allowed you to, to develop yourself there, allowed you to grow as a creator. So don't look back at it negatively, just build on it from there. There's no reason to try to redo the past when you've already got something that so many people love. Yeah, it's kind of like Spielberg versus Lucas, which is, it's shocking that they are friends. George Lucas went back and changed everything that he possibly could to make it fit his quote unquote original vision. But Spielberg will openly talk about how Jaws was going to be a very different movie if everything worked the way it was supposed to work. If the, if the animatronics hadn't malfunctioned from salt water, if, they, if, if he could have got that shark to work, it would have been in every single scene of that movie. Right. But it's not, he doesn't go back and fuck with it. Like he, he understands that he became very creative to work around the things, the obstacles that were in his way. And now George Lucas is just like, well, those obstacles don't exist for me anymore. So why not, why not fix those? And And you can never, you can never make the fans happy either. So if you're rebooting Halloween to, to please the fans, think about Star Wars. I, I live under the impression that nobody actually likes Star Wars. We love the idea of Star Wars because I never hear anybody say anything good about Star Wars ever. Every time there's a new Star Wars movie, everybody bashes the hell out of it. Yeah. And it's because, you know, in our minds, it's something different. It's something we cherish, something we love. And anything other than that is, is we don't want it. So we always crave these new films, these new reboots. I love this movie from the past. Let's reboot it. It's never going to live up to those expectations um, because the idea that we have in our head, the memory of it, nothing's ever going to top that. So that's why I'm always such a proponent of stop rebooting shit. Bring me new stuff. I want to see new creative things. And uh, I think that's why we get new genres. We get new subgenres because somebody new comes to the table and, and, and starts something. And then we build on it from there and then it crashes and we get something new and then it crashes. And I think that's what we talked about with the slasher. We had something new. It was great for an extended period of time. And, and then it crashes. But do you see a time where that will come back? I mean, everything seemingly does come back so i'm sure just out of nostalgia and a lack of creativity it there will be another slasher boom i'm sure it won't be as big as the original but we did talk about this is is like i said new new ideas not new ip it is kind of like a a a new all-you-can-eat buffet is every time someone comes out with something new it's everybody jumps on the bandwagon beats it to death that's why you get movies where you know Two asteroid movies coming out at the same time. Two volcano movies are coming out. <laughs> right. Uh, 
it's you get just Dante's peak someone, and Volcano at the same year. Yeah, someone, someone leaked from the other studio that they were working on something. They're like, well, fuck it. We can, we can make a Volcano movie too. Yeah, I love that, the competing movies. You saw that a lot in the 90s. Like uh, oh, yeah. the faculty and disturbing behavior are actually two. Uh, I like both of them really. And they came out about the same time, but you could tell they were competing against each other. People shit on the faculty. I don't, I don't, I think that movie's great. I, yeah, I like great movie. Yeah, it's have it's you seen a, Disturbing Behavior? The, it came yeah. out the same year. Katie yeah. Holmes, yeah. Yeah, it is yeah. basically. I, I, I feel like, exactly Hey, same. both of those are fun to me. I like them. Yeah. You see, I just posted today on our page about um, they're going to reboot uh, Twister. Yeah. So please, please do not reboot a movie that's already great. <laughs> I mean, there's no they're reason gonna, to. It's not going to feel the Twister same. It's not what I wrote. Like, it's, it's not going to feel the same, and it's going to be too CGI to make it feel like the original. You can't and, duplicate you know, Bill Paxton either. Bill Paxton is phenomenal. Genius. Oh, what a '90s concept as well. I mean that that in itself, Twister, and uh, you know Volcano and Dante's Peak and all those Contact, movies. All those. That was that was a a rebooting of '70s franchises where it was you know uh, the fire in 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 the Towering Inferno. Yeah, Towering Inferno and all these. You know, airplane disaster movies, natural disaster movies, and and '90s was all about tornadoes. Yeah, I mean, there. I don't think any tornado has ever been as deadly as it is on film. It's like, <laughs> like when everyone, when we were all kids, and we thought quicksand was going to be everywhere and killing. You know, you might lose your brother to to some random quicksand you're going to come upon. I've never seen quicksand. Yeah, <laughs> just never. Or maybe that's where my brother went. <laughs> I never met him, so I have no idea. <laughs> What what are the the best hidden gems? I know that you're going through them slowly on your show, but yeah. I know Sleepaway Camp is kind of a hidden gem. I mean, it's gotten yeah. a little more of a cult following in the last decade or so. But what what do you think legitimately are not are not talking so bad they're good, but legitimately hidden gems in the slasher franchise that maybe yeah. do maybe could be rebooted and done well. I mean, that doesn't really matter, but I mean, as long as they're good, what, what are people missing out when, well, when everyone is focusing on a Halloween and a Friday the 13th? And they definitely are missing out. If they're just focusing on like, you know, the Mount Rushmore, they're absolutely missing out. But, but when you bring up Sleepaway Camp, uh, that franchise is actually really good as a whole. A Sleepaway Camp part two, I think is the best in the series. Um, you know, crazy ending, uh, aside from the from the original but uh it really has a, a great concept it has really great kills uh it has some likable characters and i think from start to finish it, it it's really a lot of fun so if you're looking for something within that franchise or or kind of that mid-80s camp style a summer slasher if you will uh sleepaway camp part two excellent movie um something i found out while while making this series um is is my bloody valentine so my bloody valentine is tricky because of the theatrical version, we talk about the MPAA and what they did to the film. And I watched My Bloody Valentine, and I was like, you know what? This is, this is a shit movie. <laughs> like, uh, the editing is terrible. Uh, I, had to, I had to rewind the ending a couple times because I was confused. And what I found out was it, was it was that missing footage that they had taken off. So I found the, the actual extended cut of it, what was meant to be there. And this film is phenomenal. This is my new film that I'm willing to die on the hill for. And that's My Bloody Valentine, the extended cut. If you guys find this, it is unreal. The kills in this are awesome. Uh, the supporting cast is awesome. The ending is amazing. And, and that's really the key here because if you watch the actual, actual theatrical cut of this film, it is, it is bad. And you're going to walk away from it going, meh. 
But if you actually find the, the extended cut and you get to watch it the way it was meant to be viewed, it is a phenomenal, phenomenal slasher. And I highly recommend that. So we're talking about the original, not that 3D remake that they came out with, right? <laughs> yes, yes. We're talking that 1981 straight out of Canada. That was horrible. I watched that. I was like, oh, you know, my bloody Valentine. Let's, let's watch it. And I thought it was the original when I was getting it because I had no idea. And I sat through that movie and said, I, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> I was like, I have no idea. It was the worst thing I had seen in a long time. The CG in is awful. It's just, it was bad. I'm like, I didn't expect this to be so horrible and please don't do it again. <laughs> You know, it's, um, what's also kind of a, a sub-sub-genre of the slasher, which, which they don't do at all anymore, is kind of, uh, I don't even know how to describe it, but we had, we had Puppet Master, we had Demonic Toys, I guess Child Play might fit into that, like, like uh, yeah. things around your house coming to life, and, and we don't really do that anymore, but like late 80s, early 90s, they were really on top of that, and uh, I, I don't know if there was like a, a major calling for it when something like Child's Play, the original, came out, or, or even like Leprechaun. Uh, but suddenly we had things uh, at your at your knee or below coming at you and wanting to kill you. And I, it was kind of clever for the time. And uh, it's something that really, not only um, when you talk about slasher falling off the map, this even more subgenre completely fell off. But uh, it's a fun little era. If you're not looking for terror as a whole, but you're looking for that that fun slasher, I would say late 80s, early 90s, you can find a lot of those franchises stuck in there. Yeah, like Ghoulies. Ghoulies was one of the ones that comes yeah, from like, Critters. Yeah, yeah Critters, Critters and stuff great, like that. Yeah. Those, those, the re, they don't do it anymore because nobody does the puppeteering thing anymore. It's right. all CG. So they got rid of what made those movies fantastic, which was the lifelike critters or creatures that would run around your farm and, and try to kill you. I mean, that's the only way to explain it is these things were puppets. They were yeah. great puppets. And that whole art has died off. And it's like, come and on, shame, bring that right? back. Give me some yeah. of that instead of the stupid cartoons that I watch. I would take some of that right now. They're, they're, well, they're, fun. they're fun movies. Monster movies. Like, I love, and I'm not talking Universal Monster. I'm talking Kaiju, Godzilla, King Kong. They're like miniature versions of those. Yeah. Because they do have, uh, most of them, you know, your Tremors, your, your God, uh, Critters. Like, they all have this comedic aspect to them. And how do you feel about horror comedies? I mean, there are, there are a few slashers in there. I mean, Friday the 13th definitely started leaning in there a little bit. But when you get a movie like Critters or, I mean, I wouldn't say Silent Night, Deadly Night is a comedy, but there, there is funny aspects to that movie. Do you think it takes away from it being a horror movie? Do you think it... it it just undercuts all sort of suspense or anything like that. <laughs> I think we can, um, we can break that apart even further because when we look at a movie, oh, let's say like Evil Dead. Evil Dead built a massive cult following. And um, my feeling on that has always been he was making that to be a serious horror film. And I think people started to laugh at that. And he, he kind of reversed track and was like, oh, yeah, well, it's a horror comedy. And then really embraced that. And I think the audience embraced that. And they built on that but you look at a film like a friday 13th you get later in there and you get a lot more comedic stuff and i think that's a little more pandering to the audience and i think i think that can be a mistake because i think it does overshadow a movie you don't want to get i guess too goofy with it and i i assume they kind of just ran out of ideas because it became so uh jason centric as opposed to an actual character and I think even other movies, they want to introduce just like a comedic character. You get someone in, who's in there just for comic relief. They want to throw a joke in here or there, which can be risky. So you get a guy like Stu in Scream, who's, who's phenomenal. Uh, he, one of my all-time favorite uh, slasher characters. But you get a guy 
um, say in a tear train, uh, there was a guy at the beginning who wanted to throw a joke in every single time and it became annoying because you knew as soon as you saw this character, that's what they were there for. They weren't a real character. They were there specifically for a joke. So it's, it's, it's a really a delicate process and like anything else, a very tight line to walk. You have to be very careful with that because it can get sideways on you quick how you want to do that. Yes, it is very hard. I have a very big problem with annoying characters in movies. And people always use the excuse, well, they're supposed to be annoying. And it's like, yeah, well, I don't want to be annoyed. I want to be entertained. <laughs> I'm not right. entertained by someone e- like Shelly in uh, Friday the 13th Part 3. He is just so annoying to me. And I mean, he's su- guy, right? yeah, he's supposed to be like a sympathetic character. And he's, he's supposed to get you behind him of, you know, maybe he'll turn it around. Maybe he will get a girl. And it's just like, he's just such a whiny little bitch that he just drives me Whoa crazy. Me, the like, entire movie, yep. Just give him that fucking mask and die already. <laughs> I don't want to see you anymore. <laughs> That's so funny because when I watch Slashers now, you get that character. You're like, just kill this guy. I can't. Or, or they introduce the character, and you're like, oh, I can't wait for this guy to die. Yeah, so it's, I, it is, you definitely get those characters, yes. I couldn't believe it. Uh, the main girl's boyfriend in the Halloween 2018, the second he popped on screen, I was like, well, I can't wait to see him die. And then <laughs> when the end credits started rolling, I was like, holy shit, that guy didn't die yet. <laughs> and then they announced <laughs> the sequels. I was like, oh, yes, there's still hope. He will die. <laughs> so where do you see slasher's going from here do you see a resurgence eventually do you hope is that your your hope i mean clearly you're the biggest fan do you think it can be duplicated and made fresh again i do i do i i my concern is the money grab my concern is latching on to iconic characters and and forcing stories onto that i think there are fresh ideas out there i would tell you if i ever get the funding i have a very fresh script i think the audience would love (laughs) Not to push my own agenda. Uh, but I think it's, um, you know, the, the creativity is there. The ideas are there. And I think we, we, one, we have to not get caught up on, like you said, moving away from the practical and going into CGI. We have to not get so caught up in, in the meta stuff. Um, go back to the roots. Go back to the greats. Go back to the original Black Christmas, the Texas Chainsaw, uh, the Halloween. Understand the balance of, of character and deaths because you really do need that balance. You can get a movie that's too focused on, how you're killing, uh, the way you're killing, uh, how bloody it is. And, and sometimes you get too caught up in, in the characters too. So it's, it's just striking that balance, making, making the audience care about a character because you look at Scream when it came out. Uh, people cared about uh, Sidney Prescott. That was a character that you could, even if not necessarily relate to, someone you could root for, someone you could get behind. She was always talking about, you know, the big-breasted girl who ran up the stairs instead of out the front door. So she was, she was a self-aware character. She was smart. She was strong. Um, and, and we could even take that um, to a side note here because I don't get the rap that, that slashers get um, that are like anti-woman because I read a lot of old Siskel and Ebert talks and, and they talk about you know, the way they're exploiting women. And I think that's uh, a major misconception. I don't know if they watched one before and just kind of lumped them all into one group. But I think uh, slashers have a way of empowering women because we talk about a final girl, you know, not a final guy. It's a woman overcoming odds and, and defeating this this monster. And a lot of times, you know, the woman defends the guy at the end. We look at a movie like, like the original prom night and Jamie Lee Curtis is a, is a badass from the very beginning. And she ends up defeating uh, the slasher who I won't spoil who actually the slasher is, but she defends her boyfriend in the process who, who can't handle him. So I think, uh, you know, we see both genders get killed throughout a slasher movie. And I think 
I, I just don't know where that stigma comes from and uh, just wanted to address it there because I think it's, I think it's wrong. Yeah, it must be the sexual exploitation aspect of the slasher movie. I mean, there's lots of, uh, I can't remember who said it was, you'll probably know, was uh, give them a boner and, and kill people and send them home happy or something like that. Um, and it probably does that most slasher movies contain a lot of nudity, especially, for, you know, most, pretty much 99% female nudity. But yeah, it's just the same thing with sci-fi movies. I mean, there's a great deal of sci-fi movies where your main character is a woman and she is, she even may transform in the movie from a shy, innocent character. And by the end, they're a badass. I mean, look at Alien, look at Aliens especially. Um, someone just posted on Twitter that the Sky Sports, or not Sky Sports, Sky, whatever their video service is in the UK, their description for aliens starts off with, this movie has outdated views on, on gender and equality and all this stuff. And then at the bottom says, Sigourney Weaver fights aliens. People were outraged. I was outraged because it's like, you couldn't pick a worse movie to complain about diversity and uh, femininity. It's like Ripley is an amazing female character. Mm-hmm. It, it, the whole, all of Aliens is talking about her motherly desire to take care of Newt, and it has a very racially diverse cast. It, it is a great movie for both race and female empowerment. Slasher movies are the exact same way. How can you have so many? women that go from usually cowering at the beginning of the movie to standing triumphant at the end of the movie and call them sexist, call them, you know, bad, you know, anti-women movies. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. You know, and some of them aren't even, you know, cowering at the beginning. We, we do also have slashes where uh, Friday the 13th part two, our, our final girl is Ginny and Ginny from the very beginning is, is giving shit to, uh, to Paul, to her boyfriend, the guy running the camp. So right off the bat, I mean, she's, she's standing on ground. She's clearly independent. So, so I think the, you know, we do usually have that, that girl that's overcoming odds, but we also, you know, we've got the other side of that as well. So, and, and speaking to the nudity part, I understand that, but that's just, that's not just slashers. I think we, I think we know that. Uh, yeah. I have a wife. She complains all the time that, that she never gets to see any, you know, male action. It's always the females. So, <laughs> so it's, it's not only horror. It's, it's pretty much just films in general. So maybe, I don't know, maybe we need more uh, male genitalia. Nudity. Yeah. <laughs> Bring, on, bring on that dong bring, bring on watchers <laughs> tell her to watch uh the watchers uh on hbo and she'll she'll get enough of it <laughs> there you go it's all over the place in that uh how do you feel about like we're gonna do wolf cop and stuff like that those, oh, those type of slasher <laughs> yeah. horror movies like what's the other one raptor have you heard of velocipaster velocipaster <laughs> only because uh, i heard you guys mention it on a previous episode oh, it God. is nuts we watched I mean, about half of it on uh tubi <laughs> And the cover makes it look like a like he's gonna turn into like a werewolf that kind of looks like a velociraptor, but it is like a giant paper mache <laughs> dinosaur head. I mean, there's there's so many out there. There's just so many that just muddle up the the B-rated scene. I mean, how do you feel about those? As as I mean, you know, they're not gonna come out with anything major, even though a few of them have sequels, uh, but they never made it to mainstream. I mean, what's What's your take on those? 
Oh man, those those actually go back really far too because uh, there was a guy named Roger Corman who who dominated Hollywood for a long time and produced these low budget films like that. And uh, you know, I've seen that Boa Constrictor versus Python and and whatever they Lake Placid versus Anaconda. So um, I mean, all these these strange uh, you know side genre of horror exist. Uh, they've never really been, I would say, my thing. But uh, I I get it because a lot of people want to watch a movie just to have a good time. You know, it, not every movie has to be serious. Not every movie has to, you have to take something away uh, internally from a film. It's about entertainment. So if, if that's your thing, uh, you know, I, I say go for it. My wife hates it because I'll, I'll sit down <laughs> to watch one just because it brings me back to the eighties. It brings me back to, you know, when I couldn't watch horror, but I could, I could catch him once in a while on, on black and white on like the Fox network way, way back in the day. Uh, they'd play like, the toxic avenger now i i push him into that series too because there's a, a multitude of those movies but they're all that garbage yeah uh but i love that stuff that's my type of that's my type of movie <laughs> especially because you saw it at a young age too and i think uh whatever we're into movie wise all that ties back into like our childhood and and it, it brings us it brings us back there so i think we've all got soft spots uh, to certain films. That's why I'm, I'm, I'm never quick to get on somebody for the films they like, because we all have, have our own childhood. We all have our own experiences, uh, things that we grew up with. So I think we all have different personal attachments to films. Uh, so I would never shit on anybody's favorite movie, unless of course it's like Rob Zombie's Halloween and then go fuck yourself. <laughs> like, anything, anything else I'm totally cool with. It, his, his sequel is worse. I think <laughs> yeah. is the worst It's because he didn't want to do it. He didn't want to make that movie and they forced him to make that movie. So he's like, I'm going to fuck this up as much as I can. His wife just wants to get naked in her movies. That's all she wants. You want to talk about someone that wants to be objectified? It's his wife. (laughs) And you know, I, uh, speaking on that for a moment, like Rob Zombie's like house of a thousand corpses. And uh, I don't actually watch a lot of, a lot of newer movies. Like I, we have all these streaming, you know, services, but I'm never on them very often uh, for new stuff. But, I recently watched Midsummer, and then that it really made me think about House of a Thousand Corpses because I think when a movie comes out, uh, it understands its audience. So I think when you get into sequels like Jason, uh, Friday the 13th, and Halloween, it understands its audience, and it understands what it's creating and who it's creating for. And the issue I have with movies like Midsummer and House of a Thousand Corpses is that I think they're trying to uh, like slide one past us because House of a Thousand Corpses, I saw in theaters, and I was super excited going into it. I'm like, Rob Zombie's making a movie. This is going to be nuts. But the entire time I was thinking about the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And it was like, if, if there was some credit there to it, like his inspiration was drawn from there, uh, I could see that. And with Midsommar, I was thinking the whole time, this is the Wicker Man. What are they doing differently from the Wicker Man? And, and the fact is, nobody's, you know, the newer age hasn't seen the Wicker Man. So it, it was like people were trying to slide one past and like, they, there's something new, there's something fresh. But really... These things weren't new or fresh, but they were trying to pretend they were. So I think that's where my issue with those lies, just that acknowledge what you are. Uh, if you're a slasher that's copying another slasher, it's, it's fairly obvious because we have so many of those and we know the formula for those. Um, but I think with movies like that, I would just say be upfront about what you're doing and not try to uh, pass something over to the young audience uh, like it's not something that's been done before. I was just going to ask you about that. How do you feel about movies in the 80s that they're still horror movies, but they started to adopt the feel of slashers? Like I would say Silver Bullet, even though it's a werewolf movie, it, bar- it borrows very much from slasher movies, the, the stocking of the camera angles from the, the you know, villain's point of view and stuff like that. And the, the whodunit murder mystery. Um, 
a lot of movies in the 80s aren't slashers just really started leaning on on almost that carpenter-esque film style and i don't know exactly what it is i don't know if it's just borrowed techniques i don't know if it's it i don't think it's writing i think it's more of a it could just be a sign of times like like we said movies just felt more real back then because of the the quality of technology or the film stock or whatever it was that made it seem real but where do you shake out on movies like Silver Bullet? It's, it seems to be a very hit or miss movie. People either love it or hate it. Um, I love that movie. I think it's great. It's I think any movie that has Corey Haim and Gary Busey gets my double <laughs> thumbs up. So much coke on set. <laughs> that just if there's nothing more '80s uh, than than Gary Busey and Corey Haim, unless I guess you got Corey and Corey together. But I I really like that because I think it brings things from from several different genres together, and and I I. I appreciate that because you're not getting something so out of the box. You're getting a little bit of this, a little bit of that. So you get the monster movie with the werewolf. Um, but you've also got a nice story development. It's really around uh, Corey in the wheelchair, his relationship with his, his uncle, and then his sister as well. Uh, and then you've got also the whodunit, like you said, that we find out it's, it's the pastor later. So I think, you know, that, that cross-pollination of genres um, or even like subgenres within a genre, however you want to explain that. But um uh, I think that works. I think I'm open to things like that because, again, it's it's a little out of the box and it's creative. And uh, I guess it's just a matter of how it all comes together, if it works as a whole, once you place all those parts together. But I think with a movie like Silver Bullet, it does. It works for me. I enjoy that movie. I remember it as, uh, from my childhood and uh, I've probably seen it, you know, quite a few times. Uh, big fan. I mean, who doesn't want a, a souped up wheelchair, right? Yeah. I don't think I've seen it since my childhood. <laughs> it was great when it came out. Yeah. I never saw it until I was like 10 and I was like, holy shit, how could I miss this movie? Like this movie is amazing. That is a genre that has been so misrepresented and we haven't gotten a great, I don't, I don't believe that there's ever been besides Silver Bullet, a great werewolf movie. And I wouldn't even say that's a great movie. It's a, it's a good movie. It's decent. The effects are very good. But I want a great werewolf movie. I, I people keep complaining about like why why does Universal keep trying to start their Universal monster movies again over and over MonsterVerse? And it's like some people want that shit. Like you might not want right. it, but like I would love that to work because I love Universal monster movies. I love Monster Squad's borrowed interpretation of Universal monster movies. Like I I desperately wanted the what was it 2011 wolfman to be great and i don't think it's as bad as everyone says it is but i mean it's no masterpiece mm-hmm. um, and then they tried it with the newest mummy yeah with tom cruise and it it was okay it wasn't a wasn't a blockbuster no 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 but lots of people hated that movie i didn't even i didn't want to see it but the clips that i did see i did like what they were doing i did like that they were setting it up but i do think everyone needs to move away from the marvel model of of just let's set up movie after movie after movie, like establish a movie first, then try to build a franchise off of right. it. So as we're, as we're winding down here, you actually directed your own movie. Yeah, yeah. Or one itself that I directed and produced was more of a child horror movie because it was really, you know, the psychology of me thinking back to when I was a child and what I was afraid of and thinking back to a movie like um, the made-for-TV series It, you know, the original one from the early 90s. And uh, one of the, the images from my childhood that always stuck out was the, uh, you know, the little sailboat into the sewer drain. And so I had adapted that into a story about a boy um, just in his room at night 
and interacting with the monster in his closet. And the idea of the story was the monster in the closet, his job was to get the little boy off the bed, but it wasn't for his own benefit. It was to serve the monster underneath the bed. So when the boy gets off to interact with the monster in the closet, it, that's when the monster from underneath the bed strikes and, and you know, pulls him off into their own little, uh, wherever he goes to, whatever world he's in. So, so that was really just my take on something that really uh, meant something to me as a child, kind of that, that psychology of when you're in your room, um, the horrors of that, the horrors of that and how your mind kind of plays tricks on you and, and what you think is there as a child that may not really be. Like a horror version of Little Monsters. Yeah, a little bit. I love that movie. <laughs> Good one. <laughs> is, that, is that what you are pursuing with your life? Are you pursuing filmmaking and, and writing and all this or is that just well, kind of your side passion? Yeah, definitely a side passion. Uh, I don't get paid for that full time right now. Uh, hopefully down the road. But yeah, I continue on with it all the time. It's, uh, it's always going to be a passion for me, um, writing uh, for now short films. I've got some, some feature lakes ones you know, ready to go. I've got scripts in place. Um, so it's just a matter of funding at that point. But, but the side stuff, is, is, it's always going to be there. Things like film is a passion that doesn't go away. You know, it, it drives you every day. So I've always been one to spend a lot of my free time uh, writing. I've been using the podcast as a way to you know, continue on with the passion of talking about slashers, talking about horror, because that's where, you know, my heart has always been. That's really what brought me to film as a child, uh, as messed up as that sounds, uh, is the slasher genre. I'll actually tell the story of how I got into it, which is, uh, it's it's a little strange. So uh, to date myself a moment, uh, you guys remember the VHS tapes, uh, the blank ones. So I grew up with blank VHS tapes, you know, you pop them in the VCR, you record movies on TV. And uh, those of you who don't know, uh, Google that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so my, my dad actually recorded John Carpenter's Halloween. And uh, so he played it one day and I, I, you know, heard the initial score and the pumpkin, you know, coming at you slowly. And I cried. I ran out of the room. I was scared, scared chill, like any kid would be. I was probably like five or six years old. So my dad taped over the movie, but he left the intro. So that way, anytime he wanted, he could scare the shit out of me and send me running out of the room because that's, <laughs> That's my dad's sense of humor, who is a great guy, by the way. I love my dad, but that's just, you know, he's got a different sense of humor. So uh, as a child, somehow that strangely developed into like an obsession. So as a child, I was incredibly scared of this, this, this score. And uh, as I hit like 10, 11, 12, it became an obsession. Next thing you know, I'm, I'm a teenager and my room is decked out in slasher stuff, Halloween stuff. And uh, it's, it's been there ever since. In my, in my head, I still don't have the room with all this stuff. <laughs> That's that. That's how. Pretty much exactly how I got into horror movies as well. My my dad and my brother used to torture me by watching movies, and I had nowhere to go. So they're just on in the living room, and I'm like, I don't really want to be seeing this. This is giving me nightmares and scaring the shit out of me all the time. And then eventually, I just had to uh, face my fears and start to like them. I remember I caught a, ho- a Halloween horror movie marathon, and it was like Candyman and Hellraiser and they were just edited well enough for TV that I'm like, oh, this is doable. <laughs> this takes out most of the extremely horrifying shit that I'm not seeing. <laughs> like that, I think Candyman is another movie that falls right into that. It's not your typical slasher movie, but it mm-hmm. is a slasher movie. I think it's very well done. And I, I can't wait to see what they do with the remake of that. Yeah, I think that original came out around 94. And uh, that is one of the few that hit early 90s. I mean, that you nailed it there. That is a great one. That's probably one that's was overlooked until they recently rebooted it. But yeah, yeah, I agree. That is a great movie. I heard that the sequels immediately go 
down though. I've never seen Candyman two or three, but I heard they're bad. They're, they're, I, see, they're I didn't even know there was a three. I know there was two. Farewell to the Flesh. I I don't think I ever heard of the. Third no, one. there's a three too. Yeah, I, I only saw the first one. That's a that's a great missed time that I can only describe to my children is the feeling of going to a video store and walking through. I mean, any section, but especially the horror movie section, you would be terrified just from images. And some of these images didn't even have anything to actually do with the movie itself. I mean, you would get the, uh, I remember the Jack Frost. It was like a hologram and you would go from like a snowman to a skull. Was I too much of an adult to know what Jack Frost yeah, is? Yeah, it is a... That's, <laughs> a Mike, that's a Michael Keaton one, right? No. no it's, oh, man, this is a terrible, a terrible horror movie. <laughs> we'll probably do it on the show. It is bad. So, I, oh, yeah. so with me, with horror movies, my neighbors were into horror, and my parents were not, so we couldn't watch it at my house. And my neighbors were my babysitters pretty much in the 80s. If my parents had to go anywhere and my sisters weren't home, they'd send me to the neighbor's house. And their parents would watch horror movie after horror movie after more horror movie. So I was petrified. I'd cry and sit in another room and just cry. I was I was afraid of my Michael Jackson's video thriller. That's how bad it was. That is terrifying. That, well, That's I went to a Halloween party, like downtown in our town. We have a tiny little town. We had a rec center. And it was a Halloween costume party. And I was, I couldn't have been 10 or 11. And their big thing was, hey, let's throw this up on the screen. Michael Jackson thriller. And I'm like, shit. <laughs> okay. So I went and hid in the corner until it was over. I couldn't do it. I just couldn't do it. I was such a little fraidy cat when it came to horrors that it just, this is why I'm not huge into them. And now I look back as an adult, I can look at them and just go, whatever. Do you, uh, do you have a favorite? Do you have a favorite horror movie? Personally, um... It's not really a slasher. I'm I'm really big into something that surprises me. So the first remake that I, I really liked and that I have a favorite of was The Hills Have Eyes. I didn't care. I, the original's great and it's creative, but the remake terrified the shit out of me. And that one sits with me for a very very long time. And it I I don't think I don't think they did a disservice by remaking it. I think they did a really good job capturing the old feel but also making it a lot more terrifying because it was, I mean, the rape scene in that was awful. The death scenes in that are awful. And when I say awful, I mean, scared the shit out of me. Yeah. It very. And it was intense. It was, it was almost too intense. You know, that movie really got my heart pumping. I was like, ah. and I wish all the newer ones felt like that, you know, give me that scare factor. Like they did back in the eighties. They don't scare me. They don't. Well, I think the problem with those movies with the Hills Have Eyes remake and the sequel and I didn't watch the, second one. the couple of um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre sequels is what you were talking about, Sam, is they don't have a good balance. I love the way the Texas Chainsaw Massacre remakes are shot. I think visually they are amazing. The f- creepy feel of them are good, but there are no hope to those movies whatsoever every single time one of the characters gets a second of hope it is immediately taken away from them and after a while it just becomes a little draining is that nobody gets away like nobody there's there's not even a section of like all right we're just in the woods and maybe they're chasing us but we're we're gonna get out of this i mean they don't even get out of the yard in that movie. <laughs> that Wasn't there a remake back in the 90s with like Renee Zellweger and stuff? It was a sequel, yeah. Was yeah the, uh, they were sitting around like a dinner table. and That's what makes me not care about some of these movies. It's always a dinner table. When they, when they throw a movie out like that and you're like, 
what happened to the original vision? Because this is shit. This is garbage. I think, I think McConaughey's in that one too. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah <laughs> it's like, how do you how do you go from being so great when you first hit the screen to making them so much that you you just shit all over what you made? It's like they they are self deprecating. You know, it's like I'm yeah. done with this. It's a it's a money grab off of a uh, off of a name brand. It was horrible. Well, the director of the of the first Toby Hooper. Mm-hmm. Did Texas Chainsaw Massacre? When he came out with a sequel, he's like, "This is the movie I wanted to do if I had had the budget." And it's like, "Well, I'm glad you didn't have the budget because this movie's <laughs> fucking weird." <laughs> Michael Keaton ripoff, fucking burning his scalp with a heated up coat hanger. All like that movie is just odd and comical in ways I'm not sure it was meant to be comical. And it, it seems to have grabbed a, a cult following lately, but. I don't. I don't much like that movie. <laughs> yeah, sometimes you actually see a film's um, director cut, and you're like, and, and and you get that he's like, well, this is how I really wanted to do it, and you're like, ah, maybe the studio had had some better ideas there. Yeah, some people need someone to rein them in. That's what a lot of yeah. people say about George Lucas. He's surrounded by yes men, to where nobody has the balls to be like, maybe you're going in the wrong direction with this. Mm-hmm. And that's what some people do. They get success with one, and then they're like all right, here's your budget. You can do whatever you want. And then they just go a little nuts. Yeah. Maybe we don't need a spaceship in Indiana Jones, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Again, let's shit all over something we made before. That's awesome. Yeah, before we leave you, let's talk about your podcast a little bit. I love your show. I think your theme song is amazing. Oh, thanks. Did you make that or did you? Yeah. Did you... Yeah, so... Uh... Uh, I agree. Actually, I actually listened to it to amp me up like, like right before I hit record. Um, but so what that is, I took uh, some free uh, like background music I'd found and I had taken, um, you know, some footage from Friday 13th and uh, just kind of laced it over and, and redid it a little bit. And then I like to add a little, you know, a little clip from whatever movie I'm doing that week to throw it in front of it. Uh, but I think it ties together well. Yeah, no, it's fantastic. I love it. That's one of the signs when I, when I start a new podcast. I'm like, if they have good theme song, it's probably going to be good because I think it is a sign that you're taking it seriously. And, I mean, that's what we do. Like you said, I mean, uh, the podcast fuels your, your love of movies and, and slashers and horror. That's why we do this because we would be having these conversations anyways. Right. Yeah, we would might be as well throw this. a mic in front of you, right? Yeah, we, might we, as well make something creative. Like we've always said, like, we, we, I mean, we don't have the audience now. We might have a year from now. But it isn't really about that because this is just fun. And if you can take something that is fun and, and expand on it and create something out of it, I mean, it's its own reward, really. I mean, watching what you like take shape and, and become better and better and better week after week. I mean, we started with a Smallville podcast where we would just go episode by episode and breaking mm-hmm. it down. And it's so much worse than what we do now like you said because if you were at episode 100 and look back yeah you learn you learn like like just the way you speak and and how comfortable you are and how how worried you are about the microphone and things like that it it's so crazy how all of that just melts away and you're left with just something you look forward to all week something that right. it gives you it gets you excited if other people i mean i have an app that just tells me what what our downloads are at and every time i look at it and it's jumped up by like five i'm like holy shit and i'm texting the guys i'm like we got yeah. we got five more yeah yeah <laughs> like, 
No, I, I know exactly how that goes, man. The excitement's definitely there. And I love your guys' banter too. Here's how I knew uh, I enjoyed your guys' podcast. Because five minutes in, I was talking to you already. Uh, I was already talking back to the podcast. You guys were talking awesome. Predator. And I was like, oh, you're talking about Hawkins, Hawkins. Because you were thinking about <laughs> Shane Black. And I'm like, it's Hawkins. I think you called it at point. But it was just great because there was this great back and forth of like me wanting to interact with you guys. And I think that's, that's so important because – you know, you're not getting that, that video. You can't see each other. It's not a real conversation. So you have to really, um, you have to connect with the people on the other end of the mic. And I think that's, that's just something that's for the ones that I listen to. It's, it's crucial. Some people have complained about that. Like, Oh, you, you guys go off topic. You banter a little too much. I'm like, well, that's what the show is. Like, <laughs> right, you know, right. not every minute of a movie is entertaining. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and I, I struggle with that because a lot of times it's just me. You know, I have some episodes where I have a guest on, but when it's just you, you don't get that banter. You stay on topic because there's nobody to bring in that conversation. And I, and I consider that to be, be a downside. Sometimes I want that interaction because I think it can, it can lead to new topics to new discussions and it makes it more realistic, I think. Well, that's how I know you are talented, not to, not to kiss your ass or anything, but I don't like one-man podcasts. I find them most of the time, it's like, oh, this person really thinks highly of themselves. But yours is so, you're so well-spoken and you are so educated on what you are speaking of. And you, I mean, I'm sure you, you edit out flubs or whatever, but I mean, you know your shit. One shot every time. <laughs> yeah, perfect. Not kidding, <laughs> There's lots of editing that goes into it. <laughs> you can feel the passion. And that's what I, I listened to a podcast yesterday. And it's, what was it called? It was called... I had to look it up. Well, it depends if you're going to bash it right now or not. No, 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 no. Are you positive? Okay. Well, it's not my type of thing, but it was very interesting. Was that the guy with the high-pitched voice? Yeah. yeah Did yeah, you yeah. listen to that? I listened to about two seconds of it. I was at work, it's so just I had the to same shut it word off. over and over again. I yeah. feel bad that I can't fucking so, think of it. Josh and I have been friends for about 10 years now, and I feel like we've been having these conversations, and this is just the natural progression of what we needed to do. Because we're – I mean – we may not be funny to a lot of people, but we are damn funny to ourselves. Uh, and personally, I think people need to hear what we have to say because we're very opinionated. <laughs> and, uh, you know, all the background we have between us, uh, even Quincy, when Quincy's on the show, the three of us, we, we cover 30, 30 years because Quincy's the youngest and he's 10 years from Josh and then Josh is 10 years from me. So we start in the 70s, we end in the new millennium and it's, it's ridiculous what we have for, for – uh, ammo when it comes to movies and, and TV and anything really when it comes to this type of this world so well I think it's it, I've said that for a long time and I think it's the same way with any sort of art form I mean if you consider this an art form is that I've always said when it comes to movies you, no matter what your graphics are you're always dealing with someone's imagination that is probably 20 years in the past your imagination is formed when you're a child. So, I mean, even these new directors now, their imagination and the way they view things or the way they viewed things for a long time and then eventually wind up writing a script to it is set in the 90s. So you're getting basically a futuristic 90s movie and it'll always be that way. I mean, that's why cowboy movies went into the 70s with such high popularity is because it's from people who were kids in the 40s and 50s and all they were getting were were westerns and gun smoke and all that stuff and it it i think it does show and it does make for good banter 
when you have an age range because you're I, that's why i always i'll always ask you how how was this if we're doing a movie from the 70s or 80s how was this at the time how was it in the media how were people talking about this because I'm a night. I was born in the 80s, but I'm a 90s kid, so I am the highest generation of desensitized people <laughs> in the world. I was watching Terminator 2 when I was five. Like I was seeing shit I wasn't ever supposed to see. So the idea of people panicking in a movie theater or throwing up or leaving or fainting—it's just so weird to me. Right. But it right. doesn't mean that that shit didn't happen. Oh no, it happened. And it's then it's great to have Quincy because Quincy doesn't have the same type of memory for video stores or actually seeing these popular movies in the theaters. A lot of his stuff comes from. I mean, he's almost a Netflix generation person. Yeah, um, he wants to know what a practical effect is, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy to see. We're not even generations apart. And the world and how different it is just from a 10-year gap is insane. And how is it going to be 10 years from now? How is it going to be trying to keep up to my children when they're my age? And it's, it's interesting to think about. My children are Quincy's age. Yeah. <laughs> but that podcast is called Listen, Listen, Listen. And it's, <laughs> he just does like under five-minute episodes. He is good at whatever he is going for. <laughs> It's really high energy. It really is. It's yeah, really has, quick, really fast. Very high pitched voice. He's almost like a like a auctioneer. He's just constantly just talk 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 talk. And I can't say I know what his point is, but <laughs> you can feel his passion and dedication to what he is doing. What you know, and if that works for him, good for him. And I definitely get that from you. Is that you can hear your passion for this. You can hear your dedication to what you're doing and the research that you put in and the knowledge that you have for these things and the love that you have for these things. And I think it's very good. And if people aren't listening to your podcast, they need to be, even if they're not fans of slashers. That's what I tell people about our podcast. This guy at work says, I want to watch the movie along with you. And I'm like, we try to aim to where you don't even have to watch the movie. Right. We are just trying to be entertaining. And even though you are very detail-oriented, you're just entertaining. I mean, your Halloween episode where you are definitely trying not to swear. <laughs> and then you get so excited that you <laughs> stutter and then you're just like, nah, screw it. This is fucking awesome. <laughs> and it's just great. It, I mean, we are basically on the same page and we are meeting a lot of people on Twitter. I mean, you are our contemporary. And a lot of people are our contemporaries. We are meeting a lot of people that have about 10 episodes, have about 100 followers on Twitter. And, I mean, we have much bigger presence on Facebook, but a lot of those people don't really interact. I mean, when we have 6,000 followers and a high amount of likes is 100, I mean, most of those people don't really count. So it is fun. We, we interact with Talking Two Sugars podcast. We interact with one of my favorite ones is, I should know the name of it. Uh, so horrified. I always want to call it so horrible, but they cover bad horror movies. Okay. They are like us. They are at about 10 episodes. They are about a hundred followers. And I think we are making a tight little network and it's fun and it's fun to encourage each other. And it's fun to do the follow Fridays and see everyone so happy. And everyone is pretty much at the same level and it's, it's, it's enjoyable. And just like where where would you like to see your podcast go are you thinking of expanding to youtube and making videos are you what are what what plans do you have 
Yeah. So, so one, I agree with all that Twitter stuff. Um, I've never been a big social media guy, so that was really tough. No, me neither. I with Twitter and, and the interaction, but the whole community on there is amazing. I, I love it. I love all the interactions that take place and finding all those people that are as passionate as we are about, about film uh, has been awesome. Uh, so I have already put together a, a YouTube channel. Um, haven't posted anything yet. I do have it. I've got it. I'm editing it right now. So that is the next step would be, um, uh, a little different to where I kind of want to do more, um, top five, top 10 lists about things. Um, talk a bit, maybe, maybe, uh, you know, not so narrative driven like the podcast is. Yeah. And I think that's where the struggle was in the beginning was what is it? What am I trying to create? Uh, do I want that, that banter? Do I want to start ranking things? Do I want to just talk about one film at a time? Cause I really, I think what I decided on was I wanted that, that history of the slasher. And uh, so from there, I just kind of started from square one. So for me, that was Halloween. Uh, let's walk through the golden age. My next step will be getting that straight to D or straight to VHS era, which is going to be, you know, mid late eighties, early nineties into the, the revolution, which is scream. So I think, you know, from there, I just want to continue to build uh, movie by movie, uh, you know, build an audience. If I can, if, if, if I do, that's, that's great. But for me, it's, it's, it's the passion. It's just talking about it. It's getting it out there. Um, rather than me talk about it in my head all day, you know, put it out for the world to listen to if they want to. That's really what it's been about for me is, is how to get it out there. But I find when I'm talking about a film, I want to continue to go. So that's why I was thinking the YouTube channel to start ranking things to, um, you know, cause I grade a film at the end of every, every episode, but I also, I'm impatient. You know, I want to talk about some later films right now. It's tough to, to stay in this era for so long. I still have films I want to hit there, but, but my mind is racing from one era to another. So so I think I would like, a, you know, an additional outlet there, which is where YouTube would come in. We're on the exact same page, just kind of opposite, is I want to use our YouTube channel to create more narrative things. I want to sit down with a topic and, and go through a film that is a little less, even if it's less comical. I mean, we try to be real funny on our podcast, but I mean, we just I don't love, think we have to try. I think yeah. it just comes naturally. <laughs> we just love, we love movies in general. I'd love to just break down theories or 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 rank or things like that and, and it's just, hard because you wonder what a what a listener wants does somebody want to listen as i walk through a movie is that entertaining so i think that was always the struggle do people care enough to um step into this and and hear me you know you know walk through because like you guys do you guys play the movie so they can really stay with you in real time where i'm kind of recapping scene by scene and uh i have people tell me you know that would have been great if I'd watched it before. And I thought it's like, well, why are you listening if you've never even seen the movie? So uh, <laughs> I don't know. But, but yeah, I think it's just um, capturing the right audience and how to reach them in an appropriate manner. Well, we said lately that that is where we would like our audience to be the most. And that's where we have the least audience is our podcast. Yeah, we, we started out Smallville that way. You didn't have to watch Smallville and we recapped it scene for scene pretty much. Um, it's just, it was a lot more work. It'd probably be easier with movies, but editing that is... Yeah, very, editing the hard. show down was hard. Uh, I didn't do any editing because Josh has all the yeah. all the background on that so far. It's real easy with these commentaries. Yeah. You just, you just do a quick <laughs> edit at the beginning, quick edit right. at the end, and drop right. the music in. It's real easy. Yep. No yeah, maybe I need to start doing that, man. That's, that's Thanks. nice. I do a longer uh, upload than so it does So much time to... for outlining and, and getting a podcast together. Well, I'm very interested to see where your show goes and where all of the shows around us are going because, I mean, COVID has messed so many things up. The only reason we are doing commentaries every week is because the movie theaters are closed. Originally, we were doing every other week. One week we'd do a commentary and the next week we'd have a talking point. And that's where we would really like to be at. But 
we just figured until people can go back to the movies, we're just going to do movies. And it's, it, it will be fun to hear uh, a lot of the podcasts that I've tried, the people that are following us on Twitter. I can't wait to hear what their podcast sounds like when they're all actually in the same room with one another. Because <laughs> they're all, you know, they're all using Zoom because they're, you know, if they're in the UK, they're still on lockdown or whatever. I mean, right. I'd like to see what this is really like and what everyone's shows are really like and where they want it to be, how they're going to change and things like that. I mean, I don't think your show needs to change. I think it's great the way it is. But I mean, that just comes with, with the time and, and what your feelings are and where you want to be. I mean, that's what, I mean, Ben, a lot of the time, Ben will be like, oh, whatever you want. I'm like, no, this is our show. So we need to shape this into whatever we want it to be. Mm-hmm. And I mean, and that's great for you is that it is all you. I mean, you can literally, all the feedback is for you. All the, all the feedback is for you to use to make your decisions. And I mean, I would just love for you to get a, a, a huge following because I, I can't enjoy your show anymore. Um, I'm going to be pumping it as much as I can to anyone that'll listen. So, um, I appreciate that. And I think my, my biggest hangup so far has just been, you know, time, you know, it takes time to put this together and, you know, I am not a 20 year old single man anymore. If I was, you know, I'd be cranking probably two episodes out a week, but, uh, you know, with the family and stuff, it's about finding those small windows uh, yeah. to really be able to get this stuff done. Yeah. Someone asked me yesterday on Facebook, uh, cause he's like, I have, he's running a, unofficial godzilla page and uh if you go to our facebook page we've been feuding with godzilla and it's just this guy that follows <laughs> us and he does uh i have three kids and i don't know how to do this i just kind of i just kind of try my best and i go yeah dude i got four kids and he goes well, holy shit how do you find the time to do that and i'm like it's all about maximizing your free time like if you yeah. when you have free time put your ass and, in the and seat energy and drinks I, I i i consume a lot of energy drinks keep me yeah, up i mean night. If you, if you got time at night and your wife wants to go to bed early, edit a fuck podcast, like, yep. you know, or research or, or plan. I mean, sometimes we, lots of times we just shoot from the hip. And that is one thing I'd like to change is I would like a little more planning, but I mean, with the way things have been, with the way the world's been, it has been hard to find time, you know, between four kids running around the house and no school and work being all messed up to sit down and write or plan or schedule. And I mean, a lot of the planning that we did do wound up being all for nothing because we had movies lined up for the whole year based on the release schedule of movies, you know, Mm -hmm. saving Ghostbusters to do it when the new Ghostbusters coming out, starting to do Marvel movies to line up with the release of new Marvel movies. And all of that got thrown out the window. So we're just sitting on movies that we can't do until yeah. we get concrete release dates for new movies. So it'll be nice to when the world gets back on track and we wish you all the, all the luck in the world and we'll love to have you back on again. We'll love to be on your show eventually. Um, yeah. And you had, you had made a request. What was the movie you want? You wanted the uh, Friday 13th. Uh, yeah. Friday the 13th part six or Halloween four. Cause I, got, I love both. Got of those it. Movies. I'll grab you for both those. If you don't mind, yeah, no problem. Yeah, no, absolutely. Ben will come on for some remake shit that nobody gives a fuck about. <laughs> I'm the comedy relief in this room, damn it. That's so, all right. I'll bring you. I'll bring Ben too. No worries there. Hey, listen, <laughs> I, I'm willing to do whatever it takes to make us all successful. Yeah, beautiful. So. All right, Sam. Well, thanks so much for coming on. Do you want to officially plug all your all your stuff here at the end? Yeah, sure. So you can reach me uh, on Twitter at, at slash underscore city, and you can find slash city podcast pretty much anywhere podcasts lurk. That's Thank crazy you guys how so that much works. For having me on, man. I appreciate that.
Yeah, no, thank you, man. This is a real, real honor. This was really fun. I uh, can't wait to do it again. Uh, next time you get to pick the topic. <laughs> so, awesome. Uh, I have a feeling it's going to be the same topic. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I can talk. You know what? I listen to President <laughs> Robocop route to get. You guys have a great library, too. I'm not, uh, I'm not uh, pigeonholed to just horror. <laughs> I love it all, so no worries there. Sam's got lots of interests. Hey, listen, <laughs> we, we go everywhere. I mean, we go from slasher to Disney. It doesn't matter. It is kind hey, of amazing. Um, Lost Boys, you better call me up, okay? Hell yeah. yeah. We're, we're saving right. after uh, Halloween. Yeah, so, that's yeah. coming out in October. Bye, yeah, definitely so, go on for that one. I can't. I, it is. It seems like it would be hard to do over Zoom, but no, it's probably pretty easy. I yeah, mean, you just count work. down and hit play. I mean, it's yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. No, can't wait to have you back on. Uh, you can be a frequent guest. It would be great. So, Let uh, me know. Yeah, thanks so much, man. We'll talk to you next time. Sounds great. Thank you guys so much. Thanks, buddy. Ciao. For nerds, by nerds. Thank you once again to Mr. Sam Karras for coming on the show. What an amazing guest. What a fun time. We really enjoyed it. Can't wait to have Sam back on. Like he said, follow him on Twitter at slash underscore city and download his podcast anywhere podcasts can be found. It's an amazing show. You won't be sorry. And we will see you next week. We're still in July, so Batman Month keeps rolling right on. The next episode you'll hear is Batman Returns, but the next show we'll be recording is Batman Forever. On a personal note, our co-host, friend, brother, Quincy, he lost his brother today. So if you're hearing this, please go on the page and send him some love. I know he's feeling real down. It's so such a tragic thing. And uh, he's really hurting, so I'm, I'm sure he could use some cheering up. Quincy, if you're listening to this, we love you, buddy. And everything's going to be all right. We're here for you. Yeah, so follow us on Facebook, uh, Twitter, Instagram, everywhere, all social media. Download us on iTunes, Spotify, everywhere you can find podcasts. And we will see you next week. This is the Four Nerds by Nerds podcast signing off. Stay nerdy, my friends.